0: don't even know how to follow all that up that's just really good stuff rita asked me she goes how long's your sermon today i, I gotta be honest uh, I, I hacked out a few pages here just before service it's like you can never get out everything you want to say you know you just you get get so wound up in the word and you just want to pour it all out and and everybody who uh realizes that when you find something in god's word you want to give it and I had to cut out a few pages here right at the end just to make it tolerable. It's going to be fairly brief. It's going to be fairly brief. Well, it's good to be back. Welcome to 2016, folks. And, uh, you know, as we said goodbye last year, we're looking closely at the exhortation given by Joshua near the end of his life, if you remember. And Joshua was reminding Israel, you know, how God had blessed them in fleeing Egypt, fleeing, fleeing slavery. They're given this promise of the of the of the promised land, this gift. Oh, it's all right. It's it's really good day. <laughs> Children's church will be dismissed to uh, with the pences, ages three through eight. He's so caught up in the worship. Gerald's just like, I just forgot all about it. Everything's so good. Oh, that's funny. Awesome. Awesome. Well. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. We were looking at Joshua, and and he was reminding Israel how how they had been delivered time after time in battle, victory after victory, and, and then after... Just proclaiming God's greatness, Joshua indicated to them that they had a choice to make. They had a choice to make. you got a choice whether you're going to serve those foreign gods that were in your past way back in Egypt. you got a choice of whether you're going to serve the gods in the land now, current day. The ones that are in the promised land, the Amorites and, and all the others. He said, do as you will. Joshua says, I've seen God's greatness. And he declared, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, Joshua says, we will serve the Lord. And Israel had seen and experienced all kinds of miraculous works of God in their lives, yet Joshua still found it was necessary to provoke them to service. He still had to poke them some. So today I'm going to poke a little bit. When receiving the, our faith and that spiritual regeneration in the heart... You and I have been granted a privilege to serve God. We've been given that responsibility to serve God. And we've been gifted by the Holy Spirit for the purpose of serving God. So God has already provided all the things necessary to serve Him. But you and I are going to have to decide whether we're going to do it. Because, you know, it's really much easier, much more self-gratifying to just serve yourself than Jesus We have to acknowledge that. A a call to serve Christ without a call to crucify the flesh is going to fall flat. It's because if you just simply call Christians to serve, they're they're usually going to respond really enthusiastically until they get to the parking lot. It, It might even last until they get over to the super buffet. They'll be real enthusiastic till then. But then by the time they're done with super buffet... They're going to go back to their cars. They're going to go home. They're going to be tired. They're going to flip on the game. They're going to sit in the recliner. They're going to take a nice nap. The flesh is going to take over. And by the time that they wake up, that old lift chair that you got, it's going to stand you back up to your feet. You're going to forget entirely about what the sermon was about. And you're going to say, Honey, what did that pastor talk about today? She's going to say, Something about gospel tracts, something about the church needing cleaning. Uh, I just forget, I don't know. We've got to crucify the flesh. Christians need a stronger motivator than a casual call to follow Jesus. You need a call to battle. It is a battle against our flesh. Because the flesh and the gods of this world, they're going to come knocking. They're going to come knocking. And and the gods of this world, they're going to do everything to distract you from being ambitious about Christ, they'll keep you putting it off till tomorrow. And, and you know, I could spend a whole message just warning about all the ills of the world, all the self-centeredness, the fruitless hobbies, the materialism, the, the, the endless entertainment that drives us from service. I'm just going to summarize for you. Y'all are awful. Y'all are just awful. I'm awful too. We have to choose to serve the, not serve the gods of our past nor the gods of our culture and we waste way too much precious time on stuff that's just going to be burned up. It's just going to be burned up. We need to be ambitious builders of Christ's church. Paul warns in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He says, But each man must be careful how he builds. Building represents kingdom activity. Kingdom building efforts. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. That's the only foundation, the gospel. That's what we build on. Christ is the foundation, He's the rock. And it says, Now if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, and straw, each man's work will become evident. For the day, that's the day at the reward seat. The day of judgment for service. Not the day of judgment for sin. Our sin was judged at the cross. But there is going to be a judgment of our service to Christ. It's called the reward seat or the bama seat. That day will show it, Paul says, for it will be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each one's work. If any man's work which he has built on it, meaning the the foundation of Christ, remains he or she will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. So your soul, it's going to be preserved through this fire of testing. You're eternally secure in your salvation. The fire here is not purgatory. You're not going to pay for any of your sins in purgatory. I hope you know that. Christ paid for sins on the cross, every last one of them. This doesn't represent purgatory. Fire here simply represents the quality assessment of your building activity, your building projects, what you've been involved with. And while the precious building materials represent any type of kingdom building activity that results in redeemed souls, these would be gold, silver, precious stones, these are going to endure the flame of the refiner's fire. They're going to endure. They will survive, and they will pass on through onto heaven with you. They will go along with you. And God himself is going to eternally reward you according to your extent of Christian service. That's a fact. You're going to be rewarded according to your kingdom building. Does that sound good? I would think that would be enough in itself just to be people, keep people motivated There's also wood, hay, and straw. Wood, hay, and straw—they represent uh, late-night television, vain entertainment, wasted money, wasted time, wasted opportunities. Even churchy-type activities that add no eternal value, churchy-type stuff that adds no eternal value. You know, it's no exaggeration that there is a segment of Christianity that essentially views the church as a social club. There is a segment that thinks it's a social club, where Christians get together as often as possible, just for hanging out, while never reaching out. That mentality is often labeled uh, as us four, or no more, and no more, or the holy huddle, where Christians come together just to enjoy one another, but, but nobody gets saved. None of the efforts are kingdom building, just kingdom treading water, I guess you would call it. And some behave as if God saved us just to get together. As Pastor Paul said earlier, that's not it. He didn't save us just to get together. He saved us for kingdom building. He says we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. That's that's why we're created. And, And, you know, it is a holy calling. It is a holy calling. Holy means set apart to God. Holy means set apart for his purposes. And we are all ministers of reconciliation, reconciling fallen sinners to a holy God. We are set apart for his work. And scripture says in 1 Peter 2, verse 9, We are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that what? So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him. That's the why. Who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So that's our purpose. We are to proclaim the excellencies of the gospel. That is the foundation. And build as he provides opportunities and as we seize those opportunities. One thing you might notice. Has anybody here ever read Revelation? Or parts of it at least? Yeah, that New Jerusalem that comes down, it's not built out of wood, hay, and straw, is it? No wood doors? No hay roads? No. No wood, hay, and straw. The building materials of the New Jerusalem are always precious stones. Walls of jasper, gates of pearl, streets of pure gold, sapphires, emeralds. And they represent... The beautiful impact on the kingdom of all this building work. They pass through the fire of testing. Wood, hay, and straw, not so much. Jesus said, store up your treasure in heaven, send it on ahead. So we are to use our time wisely. Temporal lusts of the world, those are things that we waste our resources on that do not convert into anything kingdom building. They'll be consumed. That flame of testing will come. It will burn them out. Not going to label everything that wastes our time. You get the picture. You get the picture. But let me say this. There is, can be, a distinct advantage of being poor. There can be a distinct advantage of being poor. Your life is not so distracted by so many shiny things. So much stuff. No wonder James says the kingdom of God belongs to such as these, the poor people he's referring to there. See, we may not be able to, you may not be able to, someone might not be able to afford 475 cable channels. Praise the Lord! <laughs> Praise Jesus, you can't afford that. You won't be sitting in the recliner every evening when there's kingdom work to do. Be glad. Your budget might not permit you to acquire that 40-foot cabin cruiser that looks good in that magazine cover. Wonderful. You won't have to spend the whole weekend cleaning the barnacles off the bottom of it when you could be doing other things. You see how having prosperity can distract you from the work of the kingdom. By comparison, it is possible it is possible any, that a rich man can be so distracted by his possessions, not all are. But it is possible to be so distracted that that he or she struggles to concentrate on the kingdom. There's so many uh, investments to manage here and so many rusting things out in the garage that need to be polished that that it's nearly impossible to get your mind around allocating time for the kingdom. Public proclamation of the gospel. It's really hard to set all that stuff aside that looks really really nice and shiny here now and actually work on the kingdom of God Jesus said it might even be easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter heaven but the poor guy he puts his hope in heaven he doesn't have a whole lot here he ain't got much doesn't have a lot to look forward to doesn't have a huge retirement really kind of anxious for Jesus to come his prayer is come Lord Jesus come quickly right right He's thinking kingdom. He's focused on the future. He's focused on heaven. So you can be a dirt poor individual and still be a great kingdom builder. You can also be a wealthy individual and be a great kingdom builder. So the first action plan to rescue ambition in 2016, whether you're rich or poor, is to minimize stuff. Minimize stuff. And I'm going to acknowledge, you know, it's perfectly appropriate that everybody has that little something that they enjoy everybody has it one or two things enjoy that thing but minimize minimize people who minimize are are happy people they're very happy people they don't have a lot to worry about so minimize the square footage not as much to clean share a community pool take it from me share a community pool We got a pool cleaner laughing about that one.
1: He's like, yeah,
0: a lot of work there. I've got a pool, by the way. I, I'm, not, I'm not sharing a community pool. A lot of times I wish I was. And a lot of times I enjoy it. Have that thing that you enjoy. A lot of us in Florida need that because of the heat. But the more you minimize, the less you are distracted from the ambitious kingdom building that you need to do. So cut your losses. Sell that old jet ski that's sitting out back. It's just corroding from the salt water anyhow. Clean out that closet. You got old clothes, all they do is waste your time choosing what to wear. Keep the best of what you got. Use it. Enjoy it. Nothing wrong with enjoying it. Just minimize in 2016. Once you've simplified your life, as I'm working on, Rita saw me cleaning out the closet yesterday. Once you simplified your life, get equipped for service. We were just talking about that. Get equipped for service. You know, this is one of the primary reasons that Christ provided pastors to the church. Not exclusively, but it's the reason pastors were provided to the church. We're going to study this much further in the pastoral epistles. The pastor, also known as elder in Scripture, that's synonymous. A pastor-elder, his primary responsibilities are provide spiritual church oversight, that's why scripture refers to them as overseers. Pastors are to be devoted to prayer and the ministry of the word, right Gerald? Which you can identify as worship, that is a ministry of the word. Preaching and teaching are ministries of the word that take a lot of time. Those are primary responsibilities. And then it also says as Pastor Juris had brought up in Ephesians 4:11 that pastors are to equip others for the work of ministry. Ephesians 4 says that Christ gave some as apostles. That office is closed. We don't have any apostles anymore. Some as prophets. Hebrews shows us that that office is closed. There's no more prophets that are writing Scripture. Some are evangelists. Some people are going out and proclaiming everywhere they go. They have that special gift of evangelism, and it says it wraps up, and some are pastors and teachers. And these are for what? For the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. Pastor Paul didn't even know I was going there. I didn't know he was going there. We're hitting that, hitting that chord today. So there, there's equipping going on. These are primary roles of the pastor elder to teach, to preach, to pray, to equip for service. Here's the problem. There's a lot of misunderstanding of what the pastor's role is. A lot of misunderstanding of what it is. Some believe this, that the pastor is the one who does the Christian ministry. He is the one who shares the gospel with strangers. He is the one who feeds the hungry or thirsty person. He is the one concerned about the lost stranger. The pastor is the one who visits the hospitalized. He is the one who tends to the sick and the elderly. He is the one who visits people in prison. Then he does all of this, of course, after he's done with his prayer and teaching and equipping others. It's just in a spare time. He goes and does all these other things. He's the one. No, he's not the one. He's not the one. Scripture never backs that up as there being a one-man ministry. The pastor isn't doing all these things where while everybody else is going on vacation, watching football, enjoying the beach with the family and everything, coming back for an hour and a half on Sunday that's not what scripture shows does anybody sense a problem is, is it any wonder why a lot of small churches never grow never grow because there's one that everybody looks at and says well that's the one guy who does ministry no, no the pastor doing all of these things is not only wrong it is unscriptural it is the unscriptural answer In Matthew 25, we find Jesus and he is separating the sheep and the goats. This is not primarily the pastors who are being assessed for this ministry here. Not primarily pastors. No, it is the sheep who are assessed for these ministries. Not exclusively the shepherd. It is the sheep. And Jesus is referring to the sheep. For all these works for helping the stranger, for visiting the sick and the hospitalized, for rese- relieving the stress of the widow, for meeting the needs of the poor, you will be assessed by Christ on whether you have done all of these things that you incorrectly assume the pastors are the only ones responsible for. It's that simple. Scripture is that clear. The pastors are going to be assessed primarily, on whether we accurately taught you this, told you this, informed you this, and equipped you to do these works of ministry that you are responsible for. And, and part of that, a big part of it, is us modeling it. We don't get a king's ex. We, we have to model the ministry. A, a good pastor will never ask the flock to do things that he wouldn't do himself. That's why you will see us out on the street corner holding the signs. That's why you will see us visiting the sick. We'll go to hospitals. That's why you'll see us cleaning the bathrooms. You will see all of that from Gerald and myself. All those different works of service, vacuuming and cleaning, decorating and undecorating when it comes to Christmas. But we won't be everywhere all the time. It's impossible to be in all these places, everything going on all the time. A church absolutely can't grow if its people don't become ambitious for service. A church grows because a whole bunch of people become ambitious for service. Pastor and I, we won't ask you to do things that we wouldn't be willing to do. We really won't. We we may have to ask you to do a thing or two that we're just not capable of doing, unskilled to do, but nothing that we wouldn't be willing to do. It is in no way indicated in Scripture that it is the pastor's role exclusively to meet every need or request. There is just simply not enough time in the week. There is not for all of the people and all of the needs. Meeting the needs is also your responsibility. You're going to be assessed and rewarded, Christ says, by how you do that, how well you do that. According to how ambitious You are, right? And that ought to be enough in itself again to to pursue these works of ministry because Christ is going to reward you for that which passes through the fire with you. That's why Christ says in Matthew 25, that same passage, verse 40, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, he's talking about other church members, to the extent you did it to them, even to the least of them, you did it to me. Jesus is saying, as much as you did this to my body, other believers, as much as you did it for them, you also did it for me. See the symbolism there? His body. So imagine, worst case scenario, you come to faith in your early 30s, some other time. The next 50 years, you spend all of your time going to the beach, changing the cylinder heads on that to jet ski, building additions to your second and third vacation home, And at the judgment for rewards, Jesus is assessing with fire what comes through the fire. And he he says, he goes, why didn't you visit me when I was hospitalized? And and he says, where were you when I was lonely? And Jesus says to you, where were you when I was in prison, when, when I was in prison for the faith? And they locked me up. Where were you? And we were to say to them, to, to God, to Jesus Christ, we were to reply with this, saying, well, you know, our church hired a guy to do that. Jesus say, what, you hired someone to do that? Where, where did I ever tell you that? You just go hire people to do it. It's the same with mission work, and I'm not going there today. We seem to think that the more pictures of, of missionaries we have on our wall the more successful we are because we hire people to do it send money to them we've got 173 missionaries here right now, today 174, I might have missed one the missionaries are us, folks that's who we are it's not a job that somebody else does over in a remote country somewhere the missionaries are us I do have some information that will relieve you Every Christian has to be ambitious. Every Christian has to be involved. Not everybody has to do everything. Not even the pastors. Not everybody has to do everything. If you have a moment to turn to Romans chapter 12, we're going to look at how this works. Romans chapter 12, I'm not going to go through it verse by verse slowly. We're going to kind of hop through it. But you're going to see the diversity of the body working together where everybody is sharing the load. Romans chapter 12. In verse 1 it says, Paul writes, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Presenting your bodies to God for works of service, that's your spiritual service of worship. You're to present your bodies to be ambitious for service. Verse 4. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we, who are many, all of us here, there are many, are one body in Christ and individually members of another. So we are one body, but we're filling different functions. Gerald and I don't do identically what you do. Gerald and I don't do identically what each other does. There's a complement factor here where you do and you work together. Look at verse 6. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Gifts that differ among the body. The first listed here is prophecy. To prophesy in its base root means to speak forth the truth of God. You had prophets who declared the truth of God. Now they got divine revelation and it ended up in scripture. And it was verified by miracles and the ministry of those prophets back when there was an office of prophet. But to prophesy in its base word just means to proclaim. It just means to speak forth the truth of God. Declare the word. That's what the prophets did. They were declaring the word of God that God had gave them. When you go out and declare... What the Bible says to you, you are declaring God's word. So prophesy doesn't, doesn't mean just to predict the future. Some of the prophets did that. But the word itself itself does not necessitate prophetically telling the future. Some are prophets. Verse 7, look at that with me. says there's a gift of service. A gift of service. A gift of ministry. A gift of ministry. And and this essential gift, very important gift, is the broadest in scope. Covers the most territory, the most ground. This type of person just takes joy in serving. I know a bunch of y'all here. Just take joy in serving in whatever need needs to be met. That is a gift of service. We love these folks. The church can't function without these folks. Am I right, Gerald? It can't function without people who have this gift of joyfully serving, cleaning, yard care, remodeling, food preparation, setting up tables, office work. You go on and on and on. The opportunities have no end. Next we see on the list, teaching. Every Christian has the ability to teach someone. Your children or others. A lot of times Christians teach rote. That means that you teach to your children what you hear. So there is teaching. All Christians are responsible to teach and repeat the truth of the gospel and repeat scripture. Not everyone has the spiritual gift of teaching. There is a spiritual gift of teaching that is given to the body of Christ. And this is a person who equips with the word. They're able to review the word, discern the word, what it's, what it's teaching in context. They're able to interpret accurately. They're able to illustrate what it means. They're able to apply it. And also, they're able to proclaim it publicly. They've got that gift of being able to stand up in front of people and say, this is what the word says. And as we learn from studying First John, the Holy Spirit in you says, yeah, yeah, that is what it says. It affirms. And then you repeat it to others, and the message keeps going. But there is a gift of teaching. James says, let not many of you become teachers because you are going to incur a stricter judgment. So there is a gift. Not everyone has the gift of teaching. And corporate teaching is a serious responsibility. We'll discover a lot more about that uh, when we talk about the pastoral epistles and pastors and elders. That role of overseer, pastor, elder has to be able to teach. You have to have that gift. Verse 8, exhortation. Scripture requires that every Christian encourage one another. Again, nobody gets out on this. Everyone encourages one another. Some folks are just really good at it. Boy, some of you folks are really, really good at encouraging, exhorting us. At going to others in the body and 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 recognizing when a good job has been done, you compliment them, you encourage them to drive on, you folks are valuable to the body. Everyone encourages. Some are really good at it. Uh, Everyone, again, everyone is required to give. No one gets out on giving. But some people are really generous beyond belief. Somebody just really have that, some people have that gift of giving 2 Corinthians 9 says God loves a cheerful giver and those who sow bountifully they're going to reap bountifully. Jesus is coming with his reward. Praise God. Praise God. Next is leadership. Everyone has to lead where God's put them to lead. In the home, if you're a mother, you're leading the children. You may have other roles of leadership. Everyone is leading someone either towards Christ or away from Christ. So everybody leads, right? Even unbelievers are trying to lead you away from the church. But there is a spiritual gift of leadership. And Gerald and I have been praying for some time now that men would set down the comic books and rise up to lead. That men would rise up to lead the way God has told us to lead in the church and in the home. We are praying for that especially with Gerald and I, for more leadership, for more equippers, for more shepherds. We desperately need leaders in the church. Some will become elders. They'll have that oversight. Others will lead departmentally. But people can't follow if there's no one who will take the responsibility to lead. If no one wants to set their flesh aside and their time aside in order to take that role of leading, we've got to have leaders. Next is mercy. The Greek word here, the base Greek word, it refers to an emotion that is stirred up when you see someone else afflicted. It is an emotion when you see affliction. It could be physical affliction, health-wise. It could be persecution for faith. This emotion gets stirred up inside you. All of us have some mercy, right? Some people are really moved. With the gift of mercy. Very important to the church. And I'll say this. Though it's not gender specific. Though it's not gender specific. God has specifically. Specially. Not specifically. Specially tuned women to this. God has specially tuned women. It's what makes them great mothers. We love them. They've got that mercy. That care. That concern. And and yes. I believe the Holy Spirit does gift in harmony with gender roles. Scripture affirms it. Scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit gifts in harmony with the roles of male and female which God created. You're going to have women that are generally better at some things. You're going to have men that are generally better at others. There's an exception to every rule. But in general, women are very good at this. That's why 1 Timothy indicates that Older women should excel in hospitality to strangers, washing of the saints' feet, and assisting those in distress. We will look at that in the pastoral epistles. They're really good at it. And we thank God for them. Praise God. And we're going to look at the roles of women and men extensively in these pastoral epistles. There's a lot of information there. We're going to spend some time in it because the world is lying to us. And everyone's unhappy because they're not looking at what God made them to be. We're trying to be something we're not. And by the way, the comparative deficiency of this trait, this mercy trait that we find in men, comparatively now, there's a deficiency in men on the gift of mercy. Doesn't mean men can't be merciful or there can't be a man that is gifted with mercy. That's not what I'm meaning. But the comparative deficiency in the male population is what makes men great defenders of the home. It's what makes men courageous on the battlefield it makes them stand up and lead and it's the particular reason that scripture calls out men to stand up in the church and lead and protect against false doctrine and protect against all the threats on the church my mom if she were up here love my mom but but she'd she'd be very much just like you know let's just kind of listen to everyone and see what you know kind of come to a conclusion after we've heard what everybody says and maybe we can get a happy medium cuz she she has mercy she doesn't want anyone to feel bad or left out no no it doesn't work that way got to have people to defend the church look with me at verse 10 I'll read through this and we'll get close to finishing it says be devoted to one another in brotherly love Give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence. Be diligent, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. All of these. Where are you at? Where are you, right now? And and this list, it's not exhaustive. That's another good part. We have two lists of spiritual gifts in Scripture. One is in Romans 12. The other one is in 1 Corinthians 12. Easy to remember. And, and Paul does not list in those two locations identical lists. They're not exactly the same. Which he is indicating to us in that that they're not exhaustive. One list is not exhaustive. The other list is not exhaustive. There's more than this. There are all kinds of works of service. The Spirit empowers people, equips people as He deems necessary. There's more. People need to serve. There's plenty of options. There's plenty of options. And and let's just go here very, very practical at the end. So you know what we're talking about. And this list is not exhaustive either. We need people who are willing to clean the facility. That are willing to serve. To organize the kitchen, to vacuum. If you feel called to that, that you would do that, I'll introduce you to Jennifer, Ruth. I will introduce you to Donna. Does a lot of that, Gigi, lots of others who are doing that on a routine basis. I'm going to team you up. Gerald and I will team you up, and you can get get an idea of what goes on and what gets done. Very important ministry. The condition of our facility, it is the first indicator that people have of how much we adore our Savior. That's the culture we live in. Same way whether you're going into a restaurant. Whether it's clean, whether it's fresh, you make a judgment right away. Don't say you don't. So when people come in, the ministry of keeping up this facility is a very valuable ministry. Are you good with facility repair? Elliot Beasley calls this men's work men's work. He comes up here, he's like six, seven years old. I want to do men's work. That's regular yard care, remodeling, painting, electrical work. I'll introduce you to Tim Gunter. Tim Gunter is our department head for facilities. He's got a crew that does work on the outside. John and John on Saturday. Paul Juris is there. We'll introduce you to these folks. On the inside, we've got Greg Hansen and Dustin that are remodeling, painting, wiring, speakers—all kinds of great stuff going on during the week. You don't even know what's going on. These folks just serve; they're not looking for an accolade. I just want you to know what's going on around here. There's a lot more going on than an hour and a half Sunday morning. Um, this facility is great. You need to meet these guys. We got a lot of room to grow here, a lot of room to grow. If we have to, we can go to a second service. And we can extend parking around the side over here. We can put in an entrance over on Savona where people can come in from both directions. I've already talked to Tim. Um, He says that that pump house is capped off over there. And uh, we can move uh, the playground and stuff where kids do the running around and everything over there. We can move the playground equipment that's fenced off over on the Knoll. There's lots of things we could do if we need to. We need to go out and build the kingdom. What else? What else? Are you ready for outreach and evangelism? Are you ready to do more with your time? I'm going to take you and have you shake hands with Blake Morton and others. Blake is out. He he does things at every skill level imaginable. If there's outreach, he's doing it. And, and he's constantly coming up with uh, all kinds of outreach ideas, him and his family and those who work with him. Um, he will teach you things as simple. Are you shy? He will teach you things as simple as handing out someone a free hot dog with a gospel track. And he'll be there right with you, showing you how to do it. There's no reason to fear anything. He and Stephanie and his crew, if you want to hold signs, or Curtis is out there with Lee and... And I have a holding signs. If you want to go out with the crew and hold signs, they'll be right there with you. They'll be right there showing you how to do it. There's nothing to fear. Blake will be out there with you holding up the signs. All kinds of things that can be done. They'll ease you in. There's nothing to be afraid of. They will not ask you to stand up on a soap soapbox and, and preach until the third week. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But they do that. They go to the farmer's market. They, they had... Uh, before Christmas, they were doing uh, Christmas songs, singing, and then they get up and preach in between right on the street corner. It was wonderful. Wonderful. Great work they're doing. Start very simple. You can start with connection cards. Simple as a polite invitation to church until your boldness grows, and then the sky's the limit. Right, Blake? All kinds of things we can be doing. So get out there and, and, and reach out. You may not have the gift of evangelism. You might not... Uh, fill the office of evangelists we read about a few minutes ago but everyone has a responsibility to do outreach we have people to be trained in the sound booth if you're good with that type of thing back there you never see them but everything that happens here is controlled by them (laughs) so blame them Um, we need people who are skilled in electronic media, video we need people working in the nursery, Sunday school children's church I can put you in touch with those people who are on those. You can get trained. You can wor- only thing limit on the children. If you're going to work with children, you need to pass a background check. That's the culture we live in. Have to have a background check for children's work. But you don't need a background check to sing. All you've got to do is pass through that man right there and Connie over there. That's kind of a gauntlet in itself. But nonetheless, we want to see more people singing, more people involved using their giftedness. We're always looking for gifted musicians. Um, don't be offended if they tell you your, your voice is better suited to a group. Some people just aren't soloists. In fact, I sang, most of you who are here know that I sang, what, four weeks ago or so? And I was nervous. I didn't want to do it. had never done it. And I wanted to encourage others to follow suit. Step outside where you're comfortable. So I did that song, and, I, and I'm Completely honest, Gerald and Connie will both tell you, I told them very clearly, if I can't do this, if I'm just going to embarrass myself, if I'm going to send people running for the door, you stop me. Really, submitting to authority is what I was doing. Stop me. So so everybody's gifted in different ways. We have Joyful Seniors Fellowship, Joanne, Nancy, others, encouraging uh, the, the more mature believers with us, they get together for regular events. We have so many ministries going on, it's really impossible for me to list them all today, so I'm not going to. You know, some are in even official capacity. Don't have to be official capacity. We've got people like Marjorie over there, Marjorie Kennedy, and Carol Thomas I see in the back, and Lori Albright is here, and Faye Ritzy over there. And these folks are keeping tabs on one another. They're making sure that people are all right. I'll get a phone call saying, you know, some, such and such isn't doing well. They're, in, they're ministering to other needs. They're keeping the radar out. They're doing that service of, of keeping up with other folks. Very important ministry. In fact, uh, Gerald and I both, we, we'd love to see a little more organization to that. We'd love to see it branch out a little more where it's a little more officially kept track of, maybe even leading to ministry to nursing homes. Don't know. All I know is we can't do it all. We're going to need people who have that heart and want to step forward to do it. Are you t- interested in teaching or some form of leadership role or church oversight? way we're going along. I will hurry up. You'll need to become a member. Can't go to a teaching role, be an elder or a leader, until you become a member. You're saying that I'm going to conform, I match up doctrinally, and others. That, that's just one of the requirements of, of becoming a teacher. Uh, We need more teachers. We need more leaders. Gerald and I are praying for more leaders, as I said earlier. We need people who are fat. You've got to be fat. What's fat mean? Faithful, available, teachable. Faithful means you need to be here most of the time. You need to be part of everything. You can't lead if you're never here. Available means you want to be available for prayer. You want to be available for interaction with leadership. You make yourself available. You can't be a leader if you're not available. It's not a part-time gig. You've got to be available to the church because there's just a lot of a lot of things that need to be done. A lot of, uh, a lot of things creep up during the week. T, teacher. you got to be teachable. All of us have got to be teachable. Every single one of us is going through a continuous tweaking. Continuous tweaking. Gerald tweaks me, I tweak him. The board tweaks us. There's just a lot of tweaking going on. Because none of us have it perfectly laid out. We're not talking about, about doctrines of Christ, inerrancy of the Word. Those things are... Every once in a while, there are peripheral things where we need to adjust. You go through life, and you read the Word over and over again, who hasn't gone through and said, I never saw that before? That kind of tweaks what I believed over here. And you have to be teachable. If you're, if you're the type of person that you, you can't ever be corrected... And you can't ever adjust on minor peripheral stuff. You're not fat. So we want people that are fat, even if you're not fat, we need everyone to get involved. We need everyone to get involved. Don't have to be a member to be involved. Don't have to be a member to be involved. I'm going to ask the men to come forward, and we will do the Lord's Supper. Sometimes we call this communion. We celebrate what we have in common. In common. We have a common faith. We have a common confession. We have the common Holy Spirit. We worship a common Lord, Jesus Christ, who died for our sins, according to the Scripture, was buried and then rose again on the third day, according to the Scripture, and was seen by the apostles... More than 500 people at one time. This is the truth of God's word. We're here to build his church. We don't own it. Each ministry we serve in is not ours. We're provided opportunities. As Christ washed the feet of his disciples and he told them to go and do likewise, we are here to lift one another up. We also realize that our fellowship in Christ extends beyond these walls. It extends beyond this fellowship. extends beyond our traditions. If you are visiting today and you've received Christ as your Savior, that He died for your sins, rose from the grave, we invite you to share in common this meal. Bob, would you pray before passing out the bread?